All right, and welcome back. We are in the midst of being purified. <laughs> All right. So continuing on with this, this idea of these, these garments and the flames that envelop them, Memlos has this to say. It says, the flames enveloped his garments, but he personally was deemed worthy of saving. Talking about Yehoshua. Ooh. Hence, it says regarding those that went up out of captivity of Babylon, that they came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, Ezariah 2.2. The name Yeshua, Yehoshua, appears here as Yud Shin Vav Ayin instead of Yud Hey Shin Yud Ayin. So it appears as Yeshua in this case. Where so it? It's Ezra 2.2. The letter Hey is missing. Similarly, the scripture writes, Now in the second year began Zerubbabel, uh, Zerubbabel son of Shatiel, and Yeshua, son of Yehoshadak. I bid, talking about 3.8, verse 3.8. The missing letter reflects a criticism of the high priest for not having admonished his son strongly enough. He allowed them to stray and marry Gentile women mm, mm, mm. and goes on and it, it mentions like this this hay is missing so it now becomes the name yeshua which is all more like this whole the whole when it mentions which was name it has this all tav in front of it right and now it's saying he was yeshua and it says he was missing in hay. And this hay, this missing hay, was a criticism. Oh. Well, what is this hay? What does this hay stand for? What does it mean? What is it? And I'm, I'm thinking this gematria that you love so much, uh, it's five. The hay is five. Ken. And this alludes to the five books of Torah. Oh. Right? Snap. And I also say it alludes to the last hay of of Hashem's name. And so there's this criticism. There's this criticism uh, by this, this hay, right? Right. And so what is it for? The criticism, it says it's for he allowed his sons to marry Gentile women. And what do we know about one definition of a father that Rabbi Griffin has brought up to us several times is one who teaches Torah. Right. Right. It's like one one who teaches Torah to one. It's like he's the father and that one's his son. Right. The one being taught towards his son. That's right. Well, if you're coming from a Christian background, the Mashiach, if you're reading scripture, if you're reading the Basori, reading the Gospels, the Mashiach has actually taught you some facets of Torah. Wow. Right? But they are married. They're still married to their Gentile woman, the church. Oh, And so this is the criticism of the missing hay. This is like what I'd like to submit. This is the criticism of the missing hay is that they're still married to the church, this Gentile entity, this something that's so opposed to Judaism, so opposed to God, so opposed to the Torah, so opposed to Yeshua HaMashiach, right? And that they reject the five books of Torah. This is why the hay is missing, right? This is why it's criticized. It's a criticism. Okay. And on the point of the hey being the last name of Shem, there's also this criticism from our brothers, 
our Jewish brothers and sisters that says um, that he can't be the Messiah. You sure can't be the Messiah because he didn't bring world peace, right? Because essentially he did not yet make God's name one, right? As we pray in the Elenu prayer, right? right? And with that said, there will be peace, right? Between animals, between all human beings. And that has not happened yet. Has not happened yet. And so there's a criticism against Yeshua for that. Just like there's a criticism for his sons, some of his sons, those, those Christians who are still in the church, rejecting the Torah, right? This is why our, most of our brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, don't believe in Yeshua because he's still cloaked in the klipa that is Jesus Christ, right? And like we said, we're, we're going to use this menorah to break that klipa, break this Greek image. Break it. Uh, like you said about the Hebrew, they, they use their Hebrew names. Wow. Uh, for, yeah. Okay. So about that, the three who are cast in the fire. Go for it. Okay. So not only rejecting the five books of Torah is disgracing the name of Yeshua, but, you know, when we do the Shimon Esrei, we say that prayer, Matzmiyak, Karen Yeshua. And that's mm. all about Hashem raising up the horn of Yeshua for deliverance. So I'm going here to the prayer. Um, it's Etzamach David, the Aleph Tav branch of David, Atah Tatsmiyak, may you cause to spring forth. For we cry out for your Yeshua. And it is Barukata Adonai Matsmiyak Karin Yeshua with a hey. And so even in our mm. even in our Shimone Esrei, we're praying for the disgrace of Mashiach's name to be removed. Amen. And even, even in that section you read Samach, right, which is actually in the Haftor Porsche, and all the commentary says this is like Mashiach. And so I love that you brought that in the prayer book. So if, you're, if anyone's listening to this and they're, they're praying uh, the Shemona Ezra as you, as you should be, you're connecting with Messiah, and you're helping redeem his image. You're helping break that complaint. That's a, that's a good practical thing you can do to redeem his image. Amen. Uh, so thank you Oda, for that Rakesha. and it go, goes on to say um, as we know last last Josh we talked about salvation as a process and so the idea the rebuttal for um, him not bringing world peace is uh, is you know essentially the salvation is not completed yet it's still in the process state right and then the here's the rebuttal for the Christians even though they, they say but they believe in Yeshua, although they use the, the other name, there's some of them who are still listening to his teachings, and therefore he's trying to redeem them. He's, he's like Yosef and Mitzrayim, trying to convert them back to the true faith, trying to convert them to Judaism and keep his Torah so they can connect with Hashem. Yes. And so what about this? How do, how do we redeem this criticism? How? Well, we don't have to. Hashem did it already in this, this half Torah. Ooh. When he said, the Lord will rebuke you, 
right? So the adversary set forth the accusation that his sons were married to Gentile women. And this is like the accusation that's dominant where it says, oh, he can't be the Messiah, right? Because um, there's this thing called the church that most of his believers, believers in this guy, are still married to. Uh So he can't be the Messiah. He's not worthy of being saved and redeemed. His image not being worthy redeemed as being Mashiach. But this is what God's reply is. Hashem says, The Lord will rebuke you, O adversary. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem will rebuke you. Behold, God has chosen the people of Jerusalem, though they are not worthy. How then can you blame Yehoshua for what his sons did? God himself has chosen Yehoshua to be the high priest, just as he has chosen Jerusalem. You are not to persecute or prosecute Yehoshua, for he has already been stricken. Nebuchadnezzar cast him into the burning furnace together with two false prophets, and his garments were burned for the sake of his sons. And so what I like to talk about that is like he essentially says he compares him to Yehoshua, compares him to Hashem. We're going with the idea that Yehoshua is Yeshua, like this picture of Yeshua. Yes. So just as Hashem can't be blamed for the, what, what certain, certain Jews may be doing to violate his Torah. So Yeshua, Yehoshua cannot be blamed for what some of his sons, some of his disciples have chosen to do when they're not really adhering to him. Right. So this is my the, Hashem's answer to the criticism of the missing hay. And it goes on. It goes on to talk about the garments were burned for the sin, sin of his sons. Right. We mentioned these garments being the iniquity, and these these like they were burned for the sake of the sin of his sons. It continues on saying, why did Yehoshua fail to admonish his sons for marrying Gentile women? For he knew that they would not heed to his rebuke, were he even to beat them, better not to admonish them, and so they will be unwitting transgressors. And so this reminds me of Yeshua at the execution stake. He says, Father, forgive them. They knew not what they do. They're unwitting transgressors. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And like this iniquity that, that he's choose to cloak himself in, right? It's, it's reminiscent. It was burned for the sin of his sons. Yeah. It was burned for the sins of his sons. That's what the commentary says. For the sin. Oh, my word. Right. What he cloaked himself in, he, he who knew not sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Right. This is the burning of the garments. It was necessary, like you said, the filthy garments were necessary so that it would be, they would be redeemed. Mashuk says, I came for the sick, for the broken. I came to heal them. Hashem, it's the same pattern Hashem did when he redeemed us out of Mitzrayim. We were slaved in bondage. We were sick with idol worship, with the culture of Egypt. Just like the Christians who, like the believers, they may believe in Yeshua. They may not know his name, but they're sick in the, the culture of Christianity. And the culture of this Greek church, which the root of that, it means circus. Ooh. Right? Yeah. So they're sick with this. And so he's came to redeem that. Like Yosef Mitzrayim, he's came to convert the Egyptians to the true faith. I mean, if I could tag. Redeeming of the sin. But go ahead. 
You know, as you're speaking, like my heart's just kind of melting right now because, you know, looking at his, his garments being burned, you know, for the sake of the children who've taken on Gentile wives, I mean, I can't help but see a picture of the commentary as you shared about you know, one of the options being should the father, you know, beat his son, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, I I get a picture of like a father who's just like, so crushed by what his children has done, you know, that he can't beat them, because he'd rather take it out on himself. Yes. And it's like this really like, so gripping um, place to be emotionally and spiritually, you know, like that, that's so powerful, you know, and to be able to understand that that is the picture of the stake, the crucifixion stake, you know, like what a, what an incredible day that must've been, you know, for just that to even occur, that to even happen, you know, where it's just kind of like, He's doing this because we haven't listened to him. He's doing this because we'd rather go have a Gentile wife. We don't want a Jewish wife and we want to do our own thing. And it's just like, because you choose to do that, not only am I going to forgive you in the midst of it, but here's what happens to me because of that. Here's what happens to me. Here's why my hands are continued to be pierced. Here's why there was a spear stuck in my side, just like the incident with Zimri and Cosby. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. But yet you go on and you live life like like it doesn't even like it doesn't even matter to listen to Hashem. Like it doesn't even matter to have clean clothes on. Like it doesn't even matter to know that if you need to remove waste from your body, you go outside the camp. You don't bring that in the camp. You shouldn't have waste anyway, because if you eat manna, it absorbs into your spiritual and physical being to the point that you don't need any any relief from it. So I don't know. I just I'm just so moved right now by by what I'm hearing, because, you know, so many times Mashiach has looked at on the on the crucifixion stake and it's just like yeah he died for our sins woohoo we can live now and it's just like but are you the abused grace yeah man yeah but it's a beautiful picture and it's a heart-wrenching picture but if we really like you said just really look into the depth of what what these word means what this actions he has taken means then like in order for that not to bring you to repentance, you'd have to have a a complete heart of stone. You have to, you just have to. And well, on that note, we're going to end this segment and we'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back. How's it going? Hussies. Well, just just feeling the feeling the weight of being what's said here, and and hopefully our listeners listeners are too. Um, 
but man. like to bring it bring it back to the point of uh this idea of what you're talking about this kind of flippant approach to the mashiach and his suffering and this abusing of grace and the refusal to walk exactly how he walked is really the reason why so many of our brothers our, our, our jewish brothers and sisters why the you know, they don't believe he's Messiah. Man. Right? And because this image that's portrayed, this this klipa that, that's being portrayed that we need to break through. And that, that's a lot of times what I see our mission is. And that's why I'm very grateful to have brothers like you where I could elucidate the Torah and pull out Mashiach through it and really redeem his image so that people could see that he is a pure Messiah. He's not a false prophet. He didn't get consumed. He's still there. It's just waiting for someone to dive into the Torah and pull him out. That's and right. On, on that note, um, we have we Wait, have certain people. Uh, I got a question. Yes. Do you think the reaching in there and pulling him out would be the firebrand rescued from the fire, as in three, two? Yes. yes. Yeah. This whole. And that's such a beautiful question. And like this whole half Torah is really the process of what Yeshua did. Hidden inside this half Torah is the process of what Yeshua did from being, being buried to being like his death on the cross, being buried, to being raised. It's all the process of what he did. It's all encoded in here by, by our sages, by essentially this, this oral tradition that's been passed on by Jewish scholars who may or may have not have known him, it's, 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 it's encoded in there. Like I said, it's the glory of God to conceal a man or, and the glory of kings to, to, to reveal it, right? Um, and so Hashem, he's allowed us. We could be like, oh, well, why are you, why is Mashiach being concealed and concealed and blah, 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 and, you know, hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. But at the end of the day, everything comes from Hashem, and Hashem's allowed this so that we would have this glory and this honor to, to be a part of this redemption process. I mean, and so the to be able to not the attitude is like you said, it's gratitude. It's gratitude. And Modiani. Modiani <laughs> Lefnecha. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so there's this, there's this group that's opposed that, that creates a strong front against Christianity and it's known as anti missionaries. And Uh-oh. I mean, there's, I, I appreciate, and you can see the good in everything, right? And I, I appreciate the anti-missionaries making a strong wall to block off people from converting to Christianity. You know, and so in a lot of sense, what they do is protect their brothers from this image that they see as false. Um, unfortunately, one of the things that is bad about that is they don't always give you the full picture. They Ooh. will flat out lie in order to do that. And though I think it's commendable that they're protecting their brothers from falling into the circus that's the church, from like Yehoshua's children who married Gentile women, which we elucidate that as, as the church, right? right. Um, Gentile. They would have been Babylon's, like in the exile. Right now we're in the Edomite 
exile, the Roman exile, the Christian exile. And right. so they're trying to protect their brothers. They're doing all that they can with that. But one of the aspects where they, they flat out lie and this mentality is being circulated is that the idea of a mediator is not a Jewish concept. <laughs> and we're going to get into that. And we're going to prove that that is a flat out lie. And we're going to go through some scriptures. We're going to go through some commentary and we're going to see what, what is this, the idea of a mediator and who is our mediator? All right. So we Start got with the, the and the me. I'm sorry. Oh, I, was say, I was saying we have the ma and the me, the, the what and the who. Yes, the what and the who. <laughs> and so on this, this is a commentary from Nachshoni, commentary on Naso about the priestly blessing. And we're looking at the high priest, right? Yehoshua is the high priest. And so one of the, the main aspects of a high priest of the Kohen Gadol is to be an intermediary for the people. And so he's commenting on this role. And if God can just do it himself, why doesn't he? And so we're going to really? go. Through aspect. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. Here it says, why does Israel, this is how it starts off. Why does Israel need a mediator between themselves and their father in heaven? Really? <laughs> so right there, right there, the statement, we don't, the mediator is, is a Christian concept. It's not Jewish. Boom. There it goes. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what then is the function of the Kohanim? It says the Kohanim pray to Hashem on behalf of Israel. Right? They pray on behalf of. Really? Mm-hmm. Another thing, I'm going to go quick through this. There's a lot in here, but I'm just going to hit on, hit on some points real quick. Tay, pull your two Mashiachs out and just go to town. I'm sitting back Let's and watching. Let's do it. Konim, bring down the flow of blessings from Shemayim. Right? Just as we attribute such an outpouring through the agency of the Sadakim who devote themselves to his service. And so there's this question, if Hashem wished to bless them, it says, do not wonder and say, this is from Sefer Hanuk, do not wonder and say, if Hashem wished to bless them, let him do so directly, and there will be no need for the blessing of Kohanim. I have already told you many times that the blessing will come to rest upon us by force of our acting properly. Right? For his hand is open to everyone who asks, provided that he is worthy and has prepared himself to receive the good. But not everyone has reached that level. Ooh. Not everyone has fully prepared themselves and is perfect. Mm. Like in our parsha, it says, uh, Yehoshua commentary, Yehoshua said he was perfect, right? He was fully righteous. Hold up, hold up. I said I was not going to interrupt, but I have to. But that was a lie. Please <laughs> forgive me. No Matt's over there lying again. Good night. Okay. <laughs> Truth is over there lying. Okay. So, as you, you just said, not everyone is on that level. Did you really? That's in the commentary. Yeah, well, that's, that's what's implying. That's what it's implying and what it's about to imply. Okay, so check this out. So if we fast forward like a couple of Torah portions, Parashah Korach, he says to Moshe and Aharon that they take too much upon themselves and we are all holy. So we all can be 
But the problem with that is, is yes, we're all holy, but what level of that holiness have we attained? Exactly. So underneath Korok's little whatever going on, I don't know. Um, yeah. Underneath all that, he's taking away the mediator. Yes. Oh, come on. Yes. He's taking away the mediator. And so this is this is the adversary, right? He's trying to take away the mediator because he knows, like you said, Moshe, right? He was he was on that level, and it, he was saying it should be for everyone. Well, so the first redeemer was, so shall the second redeemer be, right? As the Midrash says, and so this is why Yeshua has to be a mediator like Moshe was. Oh um, man! Those also comments on the giving of the Torah says. For an adventure to be successful, there has to be a successful or a, a, a mediator who knows what he's doing. What was that source? That's a man, Loez. He's, he's quoting on the, like the giving of the Torah. He says there has to be, for something to be successful, for a mission or adventure to be successful, there has to be a, a competent mediator. Wow. <laughs> and so we <laughs> could, we could end up about media right then, but... For the sake of elucidation and, and drilling it in the minds of, of each other and, and anyone who's, who's listening to this, we're going to continue. It says, because, uh, because he is chosen from among all the nations and wishes that we attain the good from him, he has warned and commanded us to arrange our deeds and prepare our hearts properly through his commandments in order to be worthy for that good. He has commanded us in his great goodness, talking about Hashem, to seek the blessing from him and to ask for it through his pure servants. Wow. All of this will be a gain for our souls and thus we will attain his goodness and we do it through his pure servants. <laughs> and then it, it goes on to say, um, they're the messengers of the community, the Konim, and seek the blessing on behalf of a community which has prepared itself to receive that blessing. The people need the intermediary of the holy Kohanim. Uh, it says, also interprets the blessing as a bringing down of a flow of plenty through the Sadiq, who is embodied in the Kohen. Whoa. So here you have the Sadiq, the righteous one who's embodying the Kohen, right? Oh, my goodness. That just happened. Yes, I did. And it's about to get even more real. We're going to find who the, who the Sadiq is. <laughs> okay. So, commentary. Commentary on, let's see, on this Sadiq, on uh, who sustains the world, right? This intermediary who sustains the world from Talmud Brokot 17b. It says this, it says, as Rav, Rav uh, Yehuda said, that Rav said, every day a heavenly voice emerges from Mount Horeb and says, the entire world is sustained by the merit of Chaina ben Dosa, my son, and for Chaina, my son. Horev is Mount Sinai to uh, any of the listeners who 
may be unaware of that. Yes. <laughs> and so, and literally it says, it, it says every day a heavenly voice emerges from Mount Horeb and says the entire world is sustained by Chaina, my son, and Chaina, my son. And it repeats that twice. What are you going to say? I say you about to elucidate that, right? I am. But do you want, I mean, you, you were, I believe, the first person who told me about uh, the certain name of Mashiach. Yes. Right? If, you'd like, if you'd like to go in on that, I'd love for you to um, do that. But before you do, <laughs> before you do, I know, I'm, I know, it's like teasing you, right? right. You so, before you do, I want to set a precedent. Okay. And that precedent is the Talmud has encoded a lot of secret things in it. And so this is Trugman writes, he writes this, says, The Ramakal, among others, explains that many sections of the Talmud contain deep esoteric teachings that the sages clothed in allegory and concealed in cryptic statements and stories. And so this are precedent to say this verse in the Talmud in the in Gomara actually has a lot more to it than what it initially seems like. Okay. So go ahead. Tell us about Chaina. All right. So there were, I'm going to quote some Talmud for you. Uh, 98B here. Uh, what, what was that? Sanhedrin? Let me see. Yes, Sanhedrin 98b tells us there's a debate over the name of Mashiach. One group said the name of Mashiach is Menachem, like the Chabad uh, proclamation, Menachem Schneerson, the mm -hmm. Lubavitch Rebbe. That's one group, though. The other group said his name is Shiloh or Shiloh. Which, by the way, the gematria of Shiloh is Moshe. <laughs> the third group said Mashiach's name is Yinon. The fourth group said Chaynina. All right. So for Chaynina, for Chaynina, that is the Chet that we see in Mashiach, the word. Because Mashiach, the way it's spelled out, the Chet of Mashiach is Chanina. And it says, the Talmud tells us a person who dreams and sees Chanina, bear code 56b, is destined to witness many miracles. <laughs> but, or it says, because there are two noons in the word Chanina. The word noon also means Nes which is miracle, like, Come on! And then it's, uh, shout out to the amazing Hassan. Okay. Um, Shalom. 
All right. Well, did everything get recorded? Everything good? Excellent. Yes. I remember the first time you elucidated the whole Mashiach and each one of his letters stands for an aspect of Mashiach. I was, I was blown away. And it, that's, that's incredible. I love you. I love that you brought that up. I love that you elucidated that. And Chaina, you, you put on this point, Chaina, this root is hin, right? It's in grace. This is something we don't deserve. It's something that comes down from above. And um, so this is kind of like where his sons were. Right, they were with the, the with Gentile women at the point, right? And so he knew that, that he couldn't just beat them over the head. He said they're unwanted. He didn't want to make them knowingly sin, so he he allowed them to transgress unknowingly. And so came out and and essentially he's going to redeem them, right? Even though they're not worthy, like Chin Chaina, and you also mentioned this idea of being a miracle worker, well, what's one of the things that brought all these people to him, even though they weren't worthy? It was his miracles, Yeshua. It mentions his miracles several times and even says in, in the Besorah that if you were to, to write down all the miracles that he did, then you, you couldn't even list them all. Oh, yeah, I got a spy. <laughs> And, uh, so, all right, all right, that's cheating. I got you. Anyways, Haina, I'd like to re read something uh, just like this. Um, it actually says this name, uh, Haina, uh, says, as we know, Haina comes from a root meaning grace, means redemption is as a gift completely undeserved. As we know, may come in a generation which is completely guilty, just like his sons, Yehoshua's sons, and the Hathor, where it all comes from above and very little from below. This is also the act of Mashiach, who comes as a poor man riding on a donkey. Just like what Yeshua did. He came in riding on a donkey, just like Abraham, just like Moshe. He came in riding on the donkey. This is showing he was actually, he didn't come. This is why you can't say, well, he didn't um, he didn't establish world peace, right? We didn't merit that. We, we, we merited one who, who is Chaina, this act, aspect of Mashiach, who came as grace, something completely undeserved. Why? So he could bring us miracles, so he could bring us light, so he could return our hearts to him and to the Torah and connect us back to Hashem. Like our half tour.
says in Mishle, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to, to make it known. Right? He's given us this opportunity. All right. Oh, man. All right. So we... We, we, he's for sure this aspect of, of Mashiach, right? And we know the entire world is sustained by him, right? And his name in the Talmud, it's literally, it's literally says, like his name's mentioned twice, alluding like kind of like these two olive trees, right? And it gets even better. So how are we connecting this, Yeshua? Is this all just you know, MSU, or is there something behind it? And I'd like to submit to you, there is something behind it. Like uh, Trugman writes, uh, quoting from Ramkal and other sources, that there's a deeper meaning behind what's written in the Talmud. And I'd like to submit one of these deeper meanings for this uh, section. If you take the phrase, Chaina bene v'chaina bene, my son Chaina, my son Chaina, Right. First of all, I'd like to point out whenever you mention someone's name twice, it's a it's a term of endearment. And so this is like Hashem calling from Sinai. It says, my beloved, this is my beloved son whom I love. Right. There's a lot of connections we can make with that. But I'd like to go into something that, you know, and very like very much well, that is gematria. If you take the gematria of this phrase of his name, my son, Chena, my son, Chena. It is, and you add the letters, im hasiot, to the principle of adding letters. If you're familiar with Bahatorum, a lot of stuff, you'll add the letters to a gematria. It's a similar gematria. And also, if you add sum, the sum of the word, it's a similar gematria. And you could add, add a couple of these principles to each other. And so we're, we're taking his principle, the Bahatorum's uh, principle that he has for gematria. And if we take that phrase, and out of the letters, we get a gematria of 385. And then we have the sum of the whole phrase, and we get plus one, which is 386. Would you mind telling our audience what the gematria of 386 is? Sure. Right. Don't do it. We need you. We still got a lot of ground to cover. We still got to talk about being redeemed by the blood. <laughs> right? Just in the intermediary section, right? We have this idea that the intermediary is uh, Chaina, right? Which we just point out, he is Yeshua. That's the hidden code between this, right? He's Hashem's beloved son. His name's mentioned twice. He's Yeshua. He's Chaina, the Mashiach we didn't merit, the aspect of grace, the one who comes riding on a donkey. Right. And so he's it's all these things. And this is who the entire world is sustained on. And we also know that, like from Pirkei Avot, it says the entire world is sustained on three things, Torah study, prayer and kindness, good deeds. Right. And so 
it is. I'm going to ask you a question, Amit, and I'd, I'd really like for you to answer it for our listeners. Well, is the world sustained by Yeshua, Chayna Bene, Chayna Bene, or is it sustained by Torah study, prayer, or deeds of kindness? <laughs> yes. Right? Like you said, like when we pray, like in the Sador, it's it's riddled with Yeshua. And so when we pray, we're connecting to him. When we're to- toiling in Torah study, we're connecting with him, who is a living Torah. And when we're doing good deeds, it's like he said, anyone who's who's given to one of these little ones, like it's like he's given to me. Right? These these good deeds we do connect us to Mashiach. Mm-hmm. And so this brings a precedent for what the Basura says in a few places about us having an intermediary and a Kohen Gadol. I'm going to go to those verse, a few verses right now. It says, 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Mashiach Yeshua. Hebrews 8.6, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by so much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has also been enacted on better promises. Uh, uh, Hebrews 9.15, For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, since a death has occurred for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, and that those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. To Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Havel, Abel. And just a commentary on the whole new covenant Hashem, it actually elucidates um, in those verses uh, that talks about it's, it's the same Torah. It's just going to be implanted in our hearts and our minds. It actually says it if you continue reading the letters. And so there's really no excuse. Yeah, there's really no excuse for you thinking that the Torah is done away with and that there's a new teaching. So I'll throw that out there. Anyone reading any of those verses? Um, or going back to read those verses, just know that that's what he's talking about. And I would suggest continue reading. But it goes on to those things saying that Yeshua is our Kohen Gadol. He's our high priest. Just like this half Torah, you have Yehoshua, who's our high priest, who's interceding on our behalf, who's being this intermediary, who's sustaining the entire world, bringing down blessings, praying on our behalf. And there's something real interesting. And the last verse that I said, um, and that is, it says to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better, that speaks the blood that speaks better than that of Havel, right? Better than that of Abel. And I want to, I want us to come back to this, but I want us to kind of recap since this is a drosh and a half to where I'd like us to recap on, um, on the half tour itself. How are we in time? Let's see. What? Shomar Nam is not prepared? You gotta have it too.
Well, if you believe it or not, it's about to get a whole lot better. <laughs> Upgrade. So we, we've covered this idea of these filthy garments and why they're burned. And it's, he was placed on the filthy garment so that he, connect, he could connect with us. So he could bring us to repentance. And they are burned. It's like they are burned in order to absolve us in, in, of our sin. It's like burning away that iniquity that we're cloaked in. He's, like you said, come out of her. Like talking to Ben, come out of her, my children. Man. Yes. And just just to elucidate on this uh, further about it being about the like the whole the penitent, like the one who's who's repenting and all that. It says, quoting a commentary from Manloez on three seven, it says, accordingly, Yehoshua, the high priest, was promised two elevations after his death. And yeah, yeah. Possibly these planes of existence pertain to the soul and to the spirit, respectfully matters related to the world to come, the Lamaba. Moreover, as already noted, in this world too, he would merit two elevations. And it goes on talking about keeping, keeping the Torah. And it says, some say the scripture also depicts the elevations of the penitent from level to level. And it goes on talking about how this, there's this change from the filthy garments into the new clothes. And it continues, it continues to say, um, let me go back a little bit. And the angel of the Lord testified by Yehoshua, right? And the angel of the Lord, according to the Milstein edition uh, prophets, is Memtet, right? And it says, oh, sorry, I lost my place here. It says, and the angel of the Lord, Memtet, testified by Yehoshua, the angel urged all Israel to take Yehoshua, the high priest, as their example. Look how Yehoshua has reached. As we know, he's also Yeshua, right? As we quoted earlier. He is also in the world of souls. His deeds in the material realm are so well intentioned. And that's one thing Yeshua loved to get at. It's like you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever has looked at a woman lustfully, you heard it said to you, do not murder, but I say to you, whoever holds anger in his heart has committed murder already, right? His intentions, he talked about intentions a lot. Because his deeds in the realm are so well-intentioned that he merits to stand before the sovereign of the world, 
O Israel, take him as your example. Do likewise. That's what we quoted from the book of names, where it also talks about Zerubbabel, who is a, it's a name of Mashiach. And he became like this and then interpreter for Hashem. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, we come here, and it says, No sooner, no sooner had Yehoshua's filthy garments been removed from him than the iniquity was erased, and there was no cause for accusation. This is commentary on verse 3 4, talking about getting the, the new garment. Accusation, yep. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So I love I love I love the add in that in there. So it says, uh, you will be clothed in festive robes. And it goes on to say it is indicated that Yehosha was attired in those garments even before Zechariah had spoken on his behalf. Thus the angel said earlier to the high priest, see, I removed iniquity and you are clothed in festive robes. So this idea he was actually already clothed in this, these pure robes. He said, yeah, but he, he, I guess, took it on a new garment, a new position, right, for our sakes. So they placed the pure diadem on his head and clothed him in garments. Although his physical powers came back to him, he merited to stand where the angel of the Lord stood. And so right here, commenting on this, um, this angel, it says, Scripture refers to the angel by the name of its master. Alternatively, it was God himself who spoke these words. And so he became in the place where the angel of the Lord stood. So here you have Yehoshua, Yeshua, in the place where Mimted is. And alternatively, it's also, this is also where, what, what God is saying, right? So the answer is again, yes, right? Or is it Mimted? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, Let's let's bring it into what about what about these filthy garments, right? It says it says in the verse says in 
3.4, it says, And he answered and spoke to those standing before him, saying, Take the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have removed your iniquity, and you will be, or I am, clothed in festive robes. Zechariah 3.4. And commenting on this, commenting on this, uh, Mamlua says, The scripture conveys that God will bring the Mashiach, I will bring my servant to bloom. This is also commentary on the verse that says of three eight, where it says, "Here now, O Yehoshua, the high priest, you and your fellows, fellow priests, standing before, sitting before you, for they are men of marbles. For behold, I will bring my servant Samach, my servant to bloom." This is like what you uh, what you read off the of Sador, and so he's merging these two these two verses. He says, "The Scripture conveys that God will bring Mashiach. I will bring my servant to bloom, Samach." Even if the people of Israel will not be deserving. That's Chaina, right? The Messiah we didn't merit. And it says, At the outset, Yehoshua, the high priest, was not fully deserving to be the high priest and to perform the divine service on the altar. But then I clothed him in festive robes. Similarly, Israel would eventually become worthy of being redeemed. And so these robes, These robes, it, it mentioned that this um, earlier it says, even if the people of Israel would not be deserving, right? And so this connects back to what we said. This is Mashiach given by Hin, grace. This is a Chaina, right? The Mashiach who comes of the poor man riding on a donkey, the Mashiach we don't deserve. The Mashiach who sustains the entire world, right? Back to where we, we were with the, in the Talmud. And says, but then it goes on to says he's clothed in festive garments, and it actually links putting on these festive robes to being worthy of being redeemed. So the question is, how do we become worthy of being redeemed? And it has everything to do. What's that? Yes. Has everything to do with putting on these festive garments. And you interpret that the, the mitzvot. And I completely agree. Right. And I think there's even a deeper meaning meaning alluding to the sacrifice of Yeshua himself so the word for these garments these festive robes garments whatever you want to whatever translation it says the Hebrew renders it as machalat sot and we're going to elaborate on this because Malak Sot, if you take that gematria and you add the six letters in Malachot together, you get it equal to a certain phrase in Brashit 410. Yep. So if we go to Rashid 410. So the, the phrase is, is from coal to the word Eli. And so here we go. Um, yeah. So it says, Oh, 
says, This is what Rachalatzot means, like the gematria, like the, the word plus the six letters in it. It same gematria. It's equivalent to the phrase, "The voice of your brother's blood cries to me." And if I may add, I believe this is what uh, the writers of Hebrew meant when he says in Hebrews twelve twenty four to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks, that speaks better than that of Havel, of Abel, the one that's crying to him in Rashid 4.10, the one that's the same gematria, the blood of your brother cries to me, is the same gematria as what we're cloaked in, what we put on. It had to be elucidated. That's <laughs> but <laughs> don't do it. go, man. Keep flying. Keep flying. Good suit. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised my my suit hasn't busted this this altitude. No. Borrowed <laughs> one from you. <laughs> so, okay. So you may say, "All right, all right. Well, that was that's the basura. Nah, 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 nah. All right, no, not the basura, but that's the letters of of you know of Paul possibly." Well, there's a Hebrew. What about rabbinic sources? What source do you have of this, this, this idea? But, eh, I mean, I'd argue the letters are a Jewish source if you interpret them correctly. But um, for the sake, for the sake of the listener who's a little aggravated, who wants a, a Jewish source, a rabbinic source, right? We'll give him one of our Jewish sources. Oh yeah. And so I say that Jewish source comes in Brashit Rabbah. In Brashit Rabbah. There's an idea in Brashit Rabbah that's talking about, says this, and I'll just, I'll just go ahead and quote it. it. says, It is written, I have found my servant David. Where did God find him? In Sodom. Rashid Rabbah 41.4. And so you say, okay, well, how does that relate to blood? Okay, I get it. Mashiach, David, who's a Mashiach figure, he's in Sodom. Okay, I get how that's like you're breaking the clipo uh, with that, like this false image of because Sodom is like a really nasty place and what lies behind it is David. So I get that. I get that we're breaking that with the menorah. Um, but how does that relate to being redeemed by this blood, like the, these garments that we're putting on, being the voice, that, the blood that cries out to us, cries out to a shin. Well, if you break that down, it says, David found in Sodom. If you break down the word Sodom, you have Samik Dam, which Samik, if you elucidate the word, spell the whole, whole letter, it means the support. And Dam means blood. And so what this Midrash is saying 
if I were to elucidate the midrash even further, if I could do that, um, then it's saying the hidden within the supporting blood. Yeah. And even if you go into Brashit 13, we have another Al-Tav. So if you go with me to Brashit 13, verse 10, it says, it says this. We're talking about Lot lifting, Lot lifting his eyes. And it says, he saw that every plate in the yard and that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so if you look at that, it says it has Adonai Hashem et Saddam, right? So there's this all of Tav in front of Sodom, implying that the Shiach, this first and last, is actually connected with this, this Sodom, right? Because he's hidden in there. And so he's hidden, the Mashiach is hidden in the supporting third Jewish source. Um, and so I'd imagine, I'd imagine if you were one of Abraham's disciples, one of his Talmudim, if you're one of Abraham Avino's or Father Abraham's disciples, that if they heard that the Mashiach was hidden in Sodom, right, they would have replied with something of like, can anything good come from Nazareth? John 1, 46. I'd imagine they reply with something like that. <laughs> and so this compares to with, with our, our brothers today who, who look, at, look, at, uh, look at Christianity and they say, can anything good come from Christianity? You know, and and I, I, can't, I can't blame them because like, it, like its root word is circus, Right there's there's no rhyme or reason there's no order or structure to it, and so we're just going with that pattern. But uh, I would submit there is, as we know, Mashiach sits at the the gates of Rome. Oh yeah, gates down. Redeem the image, break that clipote who's hiding the, the pure source, like throw the false prophets in the fire and let the menorah, the pure menorah, come out. That's what we're going to do. And then also on this, what's that? Go for it. Hmm. That means it's not kosher. And, I mean, I would, I would also uh, like comment just on, on this idea of the, the blood, right? Besides it being like in a, this obscure midrash about the supporting blood, there's also a pattern throughout, throughout Tanakh and Torah of the redeeming blood, like the exodus, the death of the firstborn, um, the blood on the post for Pesach, even in um, Leviticus, right? We have this idea. Let me go to it real quick. Mm. 
Yes. Yeah, I agree. And there's also a connection to that. Um, this asset being destroyed, right? And it's talking about your brother's blood crying out to me, the same gematria as what the garments we put on. There's also this idea of Sodom, which is like this, this vile place. It's also like well-watered and it's compared to Ganadin and it's compared to Mitzrayim, which is where we know Moshe was born, where Yeshua was. Um, so there's this, con there's this connection if in that statement. Um, that connects to everything we're talking about. But going back to patterns of the blood redeeming us. I'm sorry? All right. Okay. Well, we'll come back on the patterns of blood. I will see you in a little bit.
Shalom, good to be back and continue elucidating about our Mashiach. What's that? All right. Let's do it. So these, continuing on with these patterns, the patterns of being redeemed in the blood. And they have in Vayuka 1425. He shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering. The Kohen shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. We have in Revelations. I told him, my Lord, you know, he said to me, these are those who came out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the lamb's blood. Revelations 12, 11. They overcame him because of the lamb's blood and because of the word of their testimony. They didn't love their life even to death. And so continue on like this idea of being redeemed in the blood. And um, Yochanan, who Mashiach says is, if you should accept it, is Eliyahu, the one who paved the way for Mashiach, says, behold the the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. This is whose blood we're being redeemed by. And also, I think this is what Kepha means. And first Kepha 119, where he talks about, go to it real quick, where he talks about this, but, Yes, but with precious, yeah, you want to go ahead and read it? Amen. And then it goes on saying before that, it just says, knowing that you were redeemed, not with corruptible things. And before that, let's just give an uh, idea of who he's talking to. He says, Kepha, an apostle of Yeshua, the Mashiach, to the chosen ones who are living as strangers in the diaspora, in Pontius, Galatia, Capsia, Asia, and all these, all these ideas. So it's people in the diaspora, people who are surrounded by Greek culture, possibly even Gentiles who are converting. Yes.
We don't have that kind of conversation. But I like I like that. Yeah, this is the whole this is a general term. So we could look at this and read it and gain insight for where we are today, as opposed to maybe pause letters, which would require a lot more dissecting, a lot more like historical things and paralleling it with commentaries. Um, Yeah, we will. And go, he goes on to say, um, oh, man, there's just so much in here. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. You want to read the whole thing? Okay, well, how about this? We'll start at verse 10, since we're reading the half Torah. Concerning, this is uh, first Kepha 110, concerning this salvation, this Yeshua, <clears throat> the prophets sought and searched diligently. So it says the prophets sought and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the chen, of the grace that would come to you. Chaina, right? Searching for who or what kind of time or what kind of time the spirit of Mashiach, which was in them, pointed to when he predicted the sufferings of Messiah and the glories that would follow them. So he's like, he, he must have been reading Zechariah or something. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to you, did they minister these things. So they ministered, the prophets were ministering to us in the diaspora about Yeshua, which now been announced to you through those who preach the good news, the Basura, to, to you by Ruach HaKodesh sent out from heaven, which things, which things angels desire to look into. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be sober, and set your hope fully on the chen, on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach. As children of obedience, aka following the Torah, not conforming to yourselves according to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, kind of like Yehoshua's children being married to Gentile wives, i.e. The, the church, and all that falls with the, being anti-Torah, anti-God's law, anti-Sabbath, anti-circumcision, anti-really um, anything that's Exactly. There's one cure for the Yetzirah, right? Our evil desire, and that is Torah. And so it goes on, but just as he who called you is holy, you yourselves shall also be holy in all your behavior, right? Like Hashem says, you are to me a holy nation, a nation of priests, right? And we were just talking about the function of the priest was to act as an intermediary to pray on behalf of, and to connect the, the heavenly blessings to the earth. Uh, you shall be holy in your in all your behavior, because it is written, "You shall be holy, from I am holy." If you call on Him as Father, who without respect of person judges according to each man's work, pass the time of your living as strangers here in reverent fear, knowing that you were redeemed not through corruptible things with silver or gold, from the useless way of life handed down from your fathers. And I like to add. Like that will be idols, idolatry, um, like, like at the giving.
Go on. Oh, come on. That's true. That's true. And what does this Shema focus on since you bring it up? He's one, and, and the Christian, prevailing Christian doctrine and all of the Christian doctrines, even at um, Messianic synagogues, um, they believe in the Trinity, which we do not support. What is that? That's God the Father, that's God the Son, that's God the Holy Spirit, Hasve Shalom, there's not three gods. That's that's idolatry. That's believing in multiple gods. That's the reverse of the Shema. They're not being taught the Shema, right? That's the life down from their fathers. And if I may add, there's also a midrash about the giving of the Torah, and Hashem gave it to the nations. And to paraphrase, each one of the nations declined the offer because they asked what was in it, just like the the one who the guy the rich man who came to Yeshua and says which mitzvahs do I keep right first of all that's a heart problem second of all their response was essentially they declined it because of their fathers like this received from our fathers this is this is our heritage right they're clinging to their their earthly fathers and not their their true source their true father who's in heaven. And they continue on into idolatry. And later in this generation, you see it in the belief of the, the, the Trinity. And, and this is corruptible things that were handed down to the fathers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the fruits of the labor, you'll know them by the fruits, right? And then also, I mean, if you really, I would say to those people who think that the Spirit says something different than what the Torah says, I say, well, they should just listen to Kepha and Acts when he says, talks about God has given the Spirit to those who obey him, right? Follow his Torah. Um, and so, you know, just say no to the Trinity. I mean, Hashem, Hashem can manifest himself and make himself known, but he's one. He's not these three God aspects to it. And that should be just dropped immediately. Um, so it come, comes down to saying, knowing that you were redeemed, right? And skipping the, the part we just talked about with the precious blood as of a lamb without spot, the blood of Messiah, knowing that you were redeemed in the blood of Messiah. This is a support, the supporting blood that's mentioned in the Midrash, Rabbah. This is the, the um, garments that, we, that Yehoshua places upon himself, right? That's equivalent to the voice of your brother's blood calls out to me. Right, so when we wrap ourselves in these garments, we're wrapping ourselves in the supporting blood of Mashiach, the redeeming blood of Messiah. That is how we are redeemed. Um, <laughs> I like that. I said I like that imagery. I was commenting.
that's awesome. And like that's that's kind of the pattern of this, right? Because it says you put on these, you put on the garments. It says, so I've removed your iniquity and you will be clothed in festive robes. Then he goes on to put the diadem on his head, the crown, and clothe him in garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by and the angel of the Lord forewarned Joshua saying, if you walk in my ways and you keep my charge and you will also judge my house and also guard my courts and I'll grant you to be from meeting going among those who stand by. And all of this relates to the commentators all relate this. The Torah says, if you walk in my maids means to perform the positive commandments. If you keep my charge means to keep not to transgress the negative commandments, their prohibitions of Torah. You will also judge my house means to sustain the priestly house of Aaron. And you will also guard my court means to properly guide the rest of the people. The people stand in relation to the priest as the courtyard of the Holy Temple stands in relation to the temple itself. And so this idea of being robed in this, and then it goes into keeping the commandments. And then it goes into talking about here now, O Yehoshua, the high priest, and your fellows sitting before you. For they are men of marvels. For behold, I'll bring my servant Samach, my servant to bloom. And there's several commentaries on this. And we just compared like this whole process to like the death of Mashiach. And after that, it says like Samach, I'll bring my servant Samach. And commentary says, all right, we'll be back with a short message. Yep, sorry, I had a little technical difficulties. <laughs> my my phone phone decided to fly away with all this information. <laughs> all right. So we've elaborated on this process of, of Mashiach and Yosef, right? And now we're getting to the point where it says, I'll bring my servant Samach, right? We're getting into David, right? But Mashiach ben David, the ruling king. That's prophesied next. Commentary on this, for on behold, bring me my servant Samach. And it talks about this meaning sprout. And Targum Yonatan identifies the servant as being the Mashiach. I will establish for David the righteous Samach. Hashem is foretelling that in addition to the redemption that he is about to bring during the days of Zechariah, he will bring yet another redemption during the days of Mashiach that will greatly overshadow the current partial redemption. So here we go again. Yeah, the idea of the redemption comes in stages. Indeed, the sages, Sanhedrin 98b, state that the Mashiach's name will be Menachem, whose numerical value is the same as the word Zemach, right? The seed. So you mentioned this, the Menachem as one of the names of Mashiach, right? This is the seed. This is David, right? 
And it says, furthermore, Zamach. Yeah, we pray. It says, raise like the horn of David. What you mentioned in the in the Sador. And it says, furthermore, the Mashiach will appropriately be called Zamach, a sprout, since he will be an outgrowth of the Davidic dynasty, concealed at the present, like the plant that is buried in the ground, but destined to sprout to full glory when its time arrives. Another thing from the map, a plant blooms only after the seed has rotted. And so will it be for Israel. After they reach the lowest level in the exile, then will the light of the Messianic King, the bloom, come forth. And so there's this idea that before Samach, before Mashiach and David can come, there has to be this seed that this idea of rotting, this idea of death, and this idea of the seed has to be concealed by being buried in the ground. So we just talk about the death of Mashiach, like the blood that cries out that we're cloaked in. And this leads us to keep the mitzvahs. This leads us to be cloaked in the mitzvahs. This leads to our church. His sacrifice helps us desire to perform the will of Hashem. Right? And now it goes into the new process where he's actually Zamach, where he's buried after his death, buried to be able to rise again and come back as Mashiach ben David. Would you like to go to go to Oh okay, well sorry, didn't mean it. Still your thunder, go ahead. Good call. Wow. And elsewhere it says the harvest is, is plenty, but the harvesters are few. Right. And so we it, it's just an honor to be part of the, the few harvesters alongside with you to, to bring in this grain. And just, just continuing on to the remainder of chapter 3, where it says, For behold, the stone that I set before Yehoshua upon one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, Now remove the iniquity of the land in one day. And it says, In that day, says the Lord of hosts, and I said, oh, Every one of you will invite his fellow to come under his vine and under the fig tree. And so earlier, earlier we were talking about, you know, if Abraham heard that the Messiah was hidden in Sodom, he would have said something along the lines of what uh, Natanel said in John 1, 46. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
They would have said, could anything good come from Sodom? Just like Nathanael said, can anything good come from Nazareth? But what's interesting is Yeshua actually quotes this verse from Zechariah 3.10 to Nathanael when he meets him. Yes. So, um, John Yochanan 1.46. This is where um, Philip goes and tell, tells him. Um, Philip found, this is in 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moshe in the law and the Torah and the prophets wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth, Ben Yosef. And then he says, <laughs> Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? Right, just like what I'm, I'm, you know, just putting in my thing. But I believe that's what Abraham Avinu's disciple would have said if they found out that Mashiach was hidden in Sodom. Right, it says Philip said, "Come and see." Yeshua saw Nathanael coming to him and said about him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no guile, no deceit." Nathanael said to him, "How do you know me?" Yeshua answered him, "Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you." Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Yeshua answered him, because I told you, I saw you underneath the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, most assuredly, I will tell you hereafter. You will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. You have this idea, everyone under his fig tree is brought up here. What are you going to say? So I wasn't wanna I wasn't gonna go here. But since you brought it up since you brought it up, I'm gonna go here. And it mentions he mentions like the son of man, like angels will descend on the son of man, like ascending and descending. What is that? Where have we where have we heard that before? Ascending and descending. Yeah. Wait, sing that again. <laughs> All right, well, when you make that in a song, remember this. <laughs> remember this. Remember the inspiration. No. <laughs> okay, so... Anyway, we, we've, we've mentioned this stone before in the verses before, and a lot of the commentary says this stone in Zechariah was the, is the foundation stone. 
and and yes so Rashe and Pirke Eliezer um it it comments that it's comments that the like the 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 stone that that uh Yaakov laid his head down like when he before he saw had the vision of the ladder like the ladder of Yaakov ladder of Jacob as that stone ended up sinking to the ground and became the foundation stone right but it and you go to Rashid Bayetse 2018 there's the phrase the stone that he placed the last letters, the last letters of this phrase, the stone that he placed, are Tav, Nun, Resh, and Mim. And if you rearrange that, that spells out Menorah, which is how Menorah, you should make a Menorah of pure gold, Shemot 2531. This is how it's first spelled. And this is the first time the word Menorah is used in the Torah. And so you have this menorah that's the foundation stone, right? That's, that's being brought out. And then, like you said, behold, what do you see? I, I, see, I see a menorah of pure gold, right? I see the foundation stone. Mm hmm And so this comes right around the point where it's talking about Samach and all the commentaries talk about the seed that has to be buried, like the stone that had to sink into the ground to become the foundation stone, right? And this stone, if you look at the last letters, it's menorah. And so it's like this menorah, this is like this tree of life, the Torah, a.k.a. Yeshua, Mashiach, had to be buried in order to support the entire world as the foundation stone, which brings us back to uh, Talmud Brachot, where it says, right where like he supports our world the entire world is supported by him he is the foundation stone he is the menorah yeah But this is possibly why the menorah was by the two olive trees, right? Because the menorah is a tree of life. And so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Test run and they lasted.
That sounds excellent. All right, good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Just miss Go ahead. All right. Well, I just like to point out, you know, like Yeshua says, like, have you not heard what's written about me in the in the Torah, the prophets, and the writings? And it's it's really an honor, and and we should be grateful when we search out these these concealed things within the Torah, like it says in Mishlei, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and the honor of kings to to reveal it or make it known. And so this rich, and like you said, we could keep, keep going with this, but I think it's a good stopping point. <clears throat> it's rich, just like the pattern of Yeshua and his mission as uh, the sacrificial son, the one who is our intermediary, the one who, whose blood we are redeemed by, the one who is cloaked in our iniquity. And, and by doing that, he removes our sin. And becomes the foundation of the world and it comes it really comes down to um the million dollar question is what what are you cloaked in what are these fine robes and are you willing to be cloaked in those fine robes are the the blood of your brother who calls out to me i.e god right and we have to be cloaked in his sacrifice. We have to be cloaked so we can be redeemed by his blood. And it's through that that we get to the point in Zechariah 4 where we have to ask the question that Zechariah asked. He says, what, uh, the, the angel asked him, what do you see? And he says, a lampstand of pure gold, right? We have to see the menorah for what it is. It's cast into the flames. There's pollution, there's filth all the way around it. But when it's cast into flames, it's pulled out, it's redeemed, and you see a lamp of pure gold. And once you notice that it's actually pure, what you get to see then, you get to see the two olive trees, and you get to ask the question, what are these, my Lord? And I would, I would comment, maybe the better question is, who are these, my Lord? And 
you realize that this is Mashiach ben Yosef. This is Mashiach ben David, right? The one who who made a sacrifice to to die to atone for your sins, who put on your garments when you were not worthy, put on that filth so that he could redeem you in his blood to be raised as he was raised. But before, before we get all hyped up and it's coming, we have to accept the fact that we're not worthy. And so we merited a Messiah who came down here as Chanina riding on a donkey, poor, lowly, riding on a donkey to redeem us. Right? Before we get Samach, before we get this sprout, there has to be a seed that's planted in the ground that's buried. That some people say it looks like it's, it's rotting. But really, that's what brings forth life. And so uh, I really enjoyed elucidating this half tour with you and I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate it just getting the chance to know more about our Mashiach and his mission and, and what that means for us. Hallowed, behold, Mashiach. <laughs> but Amen. And just before we get to the practice, before you get to the uh, the prayer closing prayer, I'm, I'll let you finish. But let's. Uh, I want to with our tradition of getting a practical note for the for our leaders or re- or viewers or just you. And it comes back to you said like, yes, you're you're cloaked in the sacrifice of Mashiach, but like you also said, a garment is the mitzvot. And like we we mentioned, the world is sustained on Yeshua. Like it, you know, loose state from the Gemara, the, what's the secret that's encoded, that's encoded in there. But the world is also sustained on Torah, prayer, and good deeds. And in truth, Mashiach is within that. When we labor in Torah, when we pray, when we do good deeds, we're actually putting on the, the garbs of Messiah. And, and so... All, the, all this stuff is good. All this stuff is great, elucidating it. But for a practical matter, like you said in the Sador, Samach is in there. It talks about Yeshua. It talks about all these, all these things. And so if we want to redeem his image, we've got to be diligent about prayer. We have to be diligent about uh, Torah study. And we cannot neglect. We cannot neglect kindness because it says in First John that the law came through Moshe, but kindness and truth came through Mashiach Yeshua. Why? Because he gave us a Torah and planted within our hearts to where we could give of that in a truthful manner by still adhering to the Torah. So.
Oh. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Redemption is hidden in the exile, <laughs> based on what you just said. But Man. ahi, and uh, thank you for having me on. May you be blessed as well. And it's just been an honor being on and elucidating uh, scripture and, and Torah with you. Shalom.